Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello and welcome to the second of five episodes on the primary wounds. Today we're going to be talking about rejection, which we say lies within our heart chakra. Rejection has been said to be one of the deepest wounds that we can experience. So stay tuned afterwards for some information on tools that we are making available to help you process if anything comes up. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see you in person. I know. <laughs> I did not enjoy our Zoom, our few Zoom episodes. I'm just not a Zoom person. Yeah. Well, there's a really big thing with ADHD and Zoom in the sense that there's a real, there's studies coming out um, about how, if you do have ADHD, most likely, both you and I, you get a lot of Zoom fatigue. Like it's just it, because the ability to see someone in person gives you like a new perspective of like, it gives you other things to engage with besides just a screen. We are so good at diagnosing ourselves with like <laughs> everything under the sun, but I don't know. I, I, it feels liberating to me in some ways. I feel like putting a label on it is like the first step to being free of it. I don't know what, I mean, like, I'm curious what, I mean, because I mean, you have like, a medical background, I can understand why you like that as well. Well, like, it's funny cause I don't really know. Like, okay, like our whole PMDD thing. Do we have PMDD or do we have PME? We don't know. But just like knowing that it could be something is somehow a relief because yeah. I don't know. I feel like we can justify our craziness. <laughs> the reason that I'm talking in general about us is because this is a re-recording right now of a previous episode that we recorded on Zoom and we both just were like... We rejected it. We rejected it. And the uh, irony is that... It was the rejection episode. We rejected the rejection episode. It's not like we were being inauthentic. It's just that we could have brought more of ourselves to the episode. I think that we had recorded abandonment that same day. Yeah. And that took a lot. That I mean, I feel like I was in recovery from recording that episode for a few days because yeah. it brought up a lot of abandonment. Yeah. And uh, I think from going straight from abandonment into rejection, it might have been just too much. And I think we just didn't share fully our, our experiences. And that's why the episode was kind of crappy. So we're like, 
neither one of us really went deep. And so it's time to re-record it and actually be authentic with everybody. Yeah, because that's ultimately just to get meta about the podcast on the podcast. We've had a lot of, we've been doing this now for two and a half like we've been recording now for two and a half months and we've been in the, in the public light. We've been, you know, having our friends and family give us feedback on it now for a month and a half since it's been released. And, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting thing because it, it provides another venue for kind of questioning yourself and being like, am I doing the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? Like, do we need to change it? Do we need to do whatever? Like we're being exposed to rejection, essentially. We are. We're being exposed to rejection, right? And we're also also being exposed to the opposite of rejection, right? Like there's a lot of people who are really, her giving us just like every single time I talk to anybody who's heard it, they're just like, I loved it. This episode really moved me. And then we have a couple. I think the main thing we've been rejected on is a few people have said, you're too out there. You dropped, you dropped a reference to past life regression. I can't go there. You dropped a reference to a hellhole. That's not for me. So what we've come to realize, I think, in this process of, of being told we go a little too far, is we're being authentic. Mm-hmm. And our beliefs change, and we may change, but we want to share with what, what's true for us today. And it might be different tomorrow, but we want to share. We don't We don't want to hold back. No, because we're passionate about this stuff. We are passionate about the things that we talk about because it just, it makes, for me, I can, I'll speak for myself. It's just like talking about co-creation and talking about passive, like this is the stuff that fuels us and this is the stuff that we want to do. So it's like, you know, I love how you said it the other day that, that the stuff that we talk, the crazy out there stuff that we talk about in the beginning is kind of like the key to the episode. Like if you... Like we kind of just come up with whatever we come up with in the beginning and it's like whatever feels like we want to talk about. And if that repels anybody, then we're like, cool, then maybe the rest of the episode isn't for you. Just go try another one. Yeah. Just because we're not for everyone, we don't have to take that as rejection, you know? So. Well, so. (laughs) Well, shouldn't. (laughs) I, I have been exploring rejection a lot, even though I still like feel like, like you said, I'm still kind of in the middle of abandonment in some ways. Like that episode just brought up so much for me. And I think that it's really important to recognize that rejection sucks. Like it's so deep. And I've, I was reading a lot of stuff. Um, I was like researching everything about what other people said about, about rejection beyond just Lisa Borbeau, who was the one who originally wrote the book about the primary wounds. And I was just, everyone's like, rejection is the deepest. It's the complete rejection of self. It's like, it's like the, like we talk about self-hatred and it being the bottom of the bucket. Coming from abandonment, which is a really deep thing and it has a lot to do with self-worth and why did I get abandoned, to then go into rejection, which is like this very active, like abandonment is, is like the neglect uh, yeah, abandonment is, is, is like someone has left you for some other reason. Rejection is they're actually pushing you away. Exactly. Abandonment is they've gone somewhere else. Rejection is they're kicking you out. Yeah, yeah. And right. so there's a, no, a, there's a deeper meaning of pain. There is. There is because with abandonment, there could be so many different reasons why people go away from you. But with rejection, it feels as if it is a, there is no other interpretation other than I am not worthy, right? Because I have been rejected. 
But what we get to, when we get into it, we'll recognize that actually rejection of others is usually one of the key indicators of, of having this as a primary wound that's on the surface that you have access to, to kind of go through and do everything like that. So rejection, let's just take a moment. How many people listening to this right now can think of something off the top of their head, like the number one rejection thing? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Mine is surface level stuff. It's being rejected by, by something I did at work. It's not being accepted into a club or something like that. Like, it's like, it's not, it's like the stuff that I can just like easily glean off the surface is just like, oh, I wasn't picked for the kickball team sort of level stuff. Right. And, you know, some of you may think of that stuff and some of you may just automatically go like, oh no, this is, this was deep. This was like, I can think of, you know, my, my father rejecting me because I wasn't masculine enough or my, my mother not loving me because I didn't, you know, she didn't, she never wanted me. So she actively rejected me. So it kind of goes all over the place, but what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how rejection is very, it can show up as a lot of different things. It can show up as a lot of different things in our life because like we said, we're kind of going way down to the bottom of the, 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 the barrel of self-hatred here. Yeah. I feel like the bottom of the bucket, as we say, like when you get down to all of it, it's self-hate. Yeah. Like all our problems come from self-hate and what is self-hate? Rejection of self. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so when I, you know, when I did my work that I've talked about in past episodes, but I'll explain now is that I, when I was going through everything, I found that there was a correlation. I found that, that, that there was a correlation between the wounds and my chakras. Right. And we've talked about abandonment, which was what I correlated to my second chakra, but rejection is in the heart. That's where I yeah. placed it. And so when you get into the heart space, you can have all sorts of amazing trauma sitting in that heart space. Like it's just, it's a pretty remarkable thing. So, so let's get into it. All right. So the rejection wound. One of the things that Lisa Burbeau in her book talks about is that rejection is oftentimes pain inflicted on you by a parent of the same sex, right? So it's a rejection that happens of, and obviously I don't, when it comes to, to, different gender identification, non-binary, people, non-binary yeah. people. It's kind of a guideline. I feel like I can be rejected by every, everybody, you know, that's, this is something that she indicates, but it's not necessarily what it is always. And it's from this parent that a child most wants love and acceptance, right? So this parent, you know, is the one that could give you basically the, the most love and acceptance as to who you are. And, and so the child is incredibly, you as a child is incredibly sensitive to any comments along the lines of not being loving and accepting, mm-hmm. right? And so what you recognize is that it could be rejection. Sorry, I'm like so deep into the feeling of this right now. It's hard to talk. Yeah. <laughs> but basically rejection can come across as what it... Okay, so the wound itself is the experience of 
of, of something that gets created when people pushed you away, they've wronged you, they weren't available when you really needed to connect with them, that, you know, you reached out for connection and it wasn't there. You're looking to create connections in life and it wasn't there. And so what happens is that you can form this idea of rejection, which feels like I am nothing. I am not worthy of people's attention and time. I am not worthy of anything that they need, that I need to get, right? So it comes down to this fundamental, I cannot even get my needs met because I am not worthy, right? And so that is what the, the actual wound looks like. But then when you get into the mask, the mask of rejection is the fugitive. So imagine that you're a person who has reached out multiple times for connection and every single time that you reach out for connection, you get rejected. What do you do? You become the fugitive. The fugitive is the person who stops reaching out for connection. They run. They run. They're not, they're not, they don't want to face another time in which they are rejected on such a deep level. They are protecting themselves because that's what the masks do. The masks protect us from what we are trying to not experience. And when you're with direction, I mean, facing somebody looking at you saying, you are not worthy. I'm not going to give you this connection. You're going to run away. You're going to run away. You could be the fugitive, but there's also an opposite of this. There's kind of a polarity of this is that you may find that rejection actually from a parent, it looks like overprotection, right? What do you mean? So, so this was interesting. I read, I read an article about this and it was talking about how when someone overprotects their children, they're rejecting their children's autonomy. Uh-huh. Right. So it's a different, it's like a very nuanced form of rejection, but it is a form of rejection that says like actually overprotection is saying, like what we were saying in a, in a previous episode, we were talking about how our children children, belong to life. Our children belong to life. And if you're overprotecting them, then you're rejecting their autonomy and you're rejecting their ability to have life in the way that you want. Right. So it's a kind of a, it's an, it's a polarity, but it goes back to that same idea that, um, I'm going to reach way deep back here and do a reference to the Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield, who I've actually mentioned a couple of times. He talks about in his book about the different types of energy forms that we can take when we're in relationship with people, how we can basically, there are two different types of relationships about how we can take other people's energy, right? One of them is the inquisitor and the aloof, and one of them is the intimidator and the victim. In this case, mm-hmm. we're pulling on the first one, the person who's questioning all the time and trying to like, and be very overprotective and overbearing. And then the opposite of that is being aloof of like, I'm right. just not going to be the around. The pursuer and the withdrawer exactly. is another, yeah, another thing. Pursuer, exactly. So those are all the ways that we can kind of see how the rejection wound is actually showing up with people. One of the other ways that the fugitive shows up is never committing never committing to anything. So whether or not you run away, it's, it's like, I never want to actually commit. I never want to, I could, I have all these different choices. And so I'm not going to make any of them. Mm -hmm. Right. I can tell you an example of this is that I do this in my creative endeavors and we'll get into this in a minute. But for instance, in my creative endeavors, if I don't have to choose one and go through with it all the way to the end till I'm sitting in front of people and they're critiquing me, if I don't make the commitment up front, and I just have like five different things that are all half done that I never have to actually experience rejection. Mm-hmm. It's protection. It is. It's a, t- it's a yeah. total protection. So that's what you're seeing this mask of the fugitive look like. The other thing is a, someone who may have a rejection wound and this may be you or this may be someone, you know, is that they just don't show up. 
Yeah. You know, to, to piggyback on that, I know of two, two friends and they, they're, they're, the thing they dish out is rejection. Mm -hmm. And so when we say fugitive, they run away, they get away from responsibility. Well, when you're living in the same home as someone, what does that look like? In both of these occasions, these women, if they're mad at their husbands, they don't talk to them. They will go like weeks without engaging. It's silent treatment to the nth degree. It's like they can live in the same home as that person. They completely shut them out. That's fugitive behavior. Like it doesn't have to look like, you know, fleeing. It's, it's, it's shutting someone out emotionally. It's putting a wall up emotionally. It's tuning the other one out. Yep. Uh, you know, it can look like a lot of different things. Yep. Yep, absolutely. One of the other things that comes up a lot for people who have rejection wounds, and I can attest to this myself, is a lot of, I'm nothing, I'm non-existent, I want to disappear, right? It's like this idea that like, you want to become as small as possible. And that's one of the things that Lucy Bourbeau talks about in her book is that people who have the rejection wound are very frail, right? They're very, they're, they're almost disappearing, even if your physical body isn't disappearing, maybe your soul or your spirit or something else is like trying to become as small contracts, as possible. Yeah. It contracts as much as possible. Because when you're in that fear state all the time that um, a lot of these wounds come to and, and what rejection brings up to the surface a lot, that's what happens. Like your 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 aura contracts, right? Like your, your presence in the room contracts, even if you want to say it like that. And it makes it so that you can't necessarily be as big or as safe or as in the flow as you could be otherwise. So the other thing that I was just talking about with my creative endeavors in which a lot of people do is with rejection, you can figure out because people self-sabotage a lot when it comes to rejection. And maybe you can't see any other part of rejection, but you can see self-sabotaging, right? And sometimes it takes someone like Anna, for instance, (laughs) my partner here to have the patience to try and counteract your self-sabotaging. Anna, do you want to explain what you did for me a couple of weeks ago when it came to self-sabotage? Oh, well, Christina, if I can speak frankly of, of oh, your, of, of your, of your wounds, of course. <laughs> I'm out there with my wounds. Christina has this long-term habit of self-sabotaging her creative endeavors. She'll have like an amazing book and the entire outline and it's like 80% written and then she doesn't finish it. Or she will like launch this amazing podcast story, et cetera, and then last minute decide not to post it or whatever. I mean, these are, I'm exaggerating, but it's something like that. You're actually not exaggerating at all. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's basically <laughs> that. So when we launched this podcast a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. Christina went silent. <laughs> I was also moving. She was also moving. But that was part of the self-sabotaging But it was behavior. like, she, she, I was like, when we were thinking about launching the podcast, we're like, why don't we wait till after your move so you can give it your, you know participate in it she's like no 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 it'll be fine I'll make it work no she didn't make it work I was I was a one woman show regarding marketing (laughs) you helped with the editing but like you were just basically not there and you weren't really responding well I don't know how to say it but you were kind of like absent (laughs) you were fugitive you were you were a fugitive in our podcast all right You okay? <laughs> I'm okay because I don't know how to say this without like coming across as a total asshole. But just or, be, just okay, I'll just be, be honest. Yeah. I have this thing that I believe that whatever I touch turns to gold. Okay, I just believe it. That's not asshole. That's <laughs> awesome. So I just I just believe that if I'm gonna open start a business, it's gonna be that one of the top ranking Google reviewed businesses on yeah. Google. I just believe if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and it's going to turn out awesome. I just have this belief and 
I just believe this about myself. So amazing. <laughs> no, Christina has like the opposite I belief. I have the opposite belief. <laughs> she thinks whatever she touches turns to shit. When you, we started the Running podcast away. and she was doing her self-sabotage behavior, I was like, no, I'm going to believe in this podcast that we're that it's turning to gold and I'm going to believe in it stronger to counteract her self-sabotage. And in the first few weeks, continuously charting in the top yeah. some 100, 200s of spiritual podcasts, it was doing really well. Yeah, It's probably still doing well. I just haven't checked the charts. But so the podcast is charting really high. It's doing really well. We're getting amazing reviews. And Christina is like nowhere to be seen crickets. And I'm like, I just got to keep believing in this and manifesting it that it's gold until she's over this self-sabotage thing. Because it's the first time I think you were partnering with someone in a creative aspect that was 100% believing in the project. Absolutely. And you usually give up. Yeah. So Especially because I'm usually the one, only one driving it. Yeah. So right? I was just like, I just like patiently waited for her to come around. And at, when she was finally ready to look at some worthiness stuff, which we talked about in episode six, when Sophia visited, we have some exercises on like unblocking worthiness. Mm -hmm. When she was finally ready, you were finally ready to do it. I was like, you were like, I just realized that I think I'm unworthy of having a good podcast. And I was like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to see that. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to get out of this self-sabotage thing and join me. Come join me. Come join me. Believe in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm, I'm here. Uh, it's, it is funny though, because like that, that is a really great example. So a really great example was I didn't know that I was going to self-sabotage. Like I just did. I oh, thought I, knew, I was, I knew you were, you, you did, but you know, I appreciate that you let me come to that conclusion, but I, who in the hell, who in the hell says, yes, let me launch this thing that's highly dependent on my energy and time while I'm fucking moving. Like that was the decision that was self-sabotaging in this particular case. Like I basically was just like, I mean like the whole thing with, with marketing and everything. And home and homeschooling two small children at the same time. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, uh, you were doing a lot. Yeah. You were doing a lot. Exactly. And the thing, the thing that was important about it was to recognize for, for me was that I never wanted to do the marketing because I never wanted to get rejected. So I was like, Anna, you just do all the marketing and then I can just be off the hook and I'll edit anything you want me to do. And I'll just do hours and hours and hours of editing. And then because I didn't want to have to go out there and be rejected. <laughs> and so I just don't, I'm just not, I have a lot of rejection. So why do I have rejection? This is where, this is where I'm going to get into the story of like the work that I uncovered earlier and is now coming back to the forefront as we're preparing for this episode. Mm -hmm. Can I just throw in a disclaimer? Yeah. Before Christina tells her story, I want to put the disclaimer out there that the events that happen to us are kind of neutral and meaningless. We put the meaning on them. Like mm -hmm. the case in point is, let's say someone dies. One person might feel abandoned. The other person might feel like it was an injustice. Another person might have felt rejected. So the events that occur in our childhoods or anywhere along the way could be interpreted according to any wound. We, we put the meaning on that. So I just want to put the disclaimer out there. If you had a similar story as Chris or not, and you're like, well, my story doesn't match up. It doesn't matter. What matters is the meaning you give it. And in this story, you gave it the meaning of rejection. Yeah, I gave it the meaning. I gave it specifically self-hatred, which is what I kind of equate a lot to rejection because right, right. it has to do with not self-love, which is in the heart space. I'm also going to give a bit of a disclaimer for... Um, physical therapist versus chiropractor because there's a chiropractor <laughs> in this story. Oh. 
Um, do you want to, do you need to expand on that? <laughs> Physical therapists and chiropractors may be somewhat, um, having different perspectives. And so I just need to, to very clearly say, I have been in the chiropractor field for a very long time, despite the fact that my best friend is a physical therapist and she has helped me a lot with her physical therapy stuff. But, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting part of the story. So I'm still going to talk about it. Okay. So go back to October, and November. I was just reading my journal last night to get up to date. Of 2020. Of 2020. And Anna's like, I'm going to do a regression for you about your wounds or anything you want me to do. And I was like, sweet. All right, let's do self-hatred. I was like, I'm right there. I'm, 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 I'm all about it, right? So, you know, she calls me. We're doing it remotely. I'm sitting in my chair. She, you know, does all the amazing stuff to get me into a hypnotic state. And because I'm a willing participant, it's easy for me to get into a hypnotic state. It's kind of just like a deeper form of meditation. And so she's like, okay, you have to bring up three memories. The first memory, like my, my mom didn't trust me to take care of a dog. Mm-hmm. Something simple. The second one, I still get like creeps about the image that I had in this one was, um, it was my, one of my first paranormal experiences, like my first, um, psychic experiences. Yeah. And I saw a little girl crouched in my closet. Ghost girl. Ghost girl. Like white as a sheet, scared to death. Like I still, it was funny because like I used to be so scared. Like even as an adult, I used to be scared of that closet, but I couldn't remember the ghost girl until I did the regression. And I remember saying, I think it was, I I think it had to do with self-hatred just because I felt like I was like, I couldn't explain it. Like I didn't know what was going on and I felt very rejected. Those two, like seriously, nothing compared to this third one. So go into the third one and I can tell that I'm a baby and I can see I'm in a crib and I feel, I feel myself being choked from above and I can see that this person is my mother and I have no idea if this actually happened but I know that it's in my subconscious the experience of having to see how much hatred right like the rejection of a mother towards its baby like exactly so it literally is like textbook from what I said earlier you're crying in a crib a parent of the same gender or the same sex you're reaching out for connection to stop crying or to be placated. And then you are literally physically rejected, right? Like you were completely rejected in that moment. And the experience when I came out of it was just like, I was like, Oh, okay. Like we, we did the whole like resolution where you, you know, you kind of say, I'm your mother now. There's no reason that you have to feel rejected by this person. This, you know, it's like a, it's a process of reparenting, reparenting yourself and, and recognizing that, that you don't have to go through the same things or you don't have to experience that memory in the same way, or even if you did experience that memory, then it's okay because you're your parent now and you're not going to reject yourself or hate yourself. But I, I did it at night and I went to sleep and the next day, my neck, I was in excruciating pain. Was she choking your neck in the memory? Mm-hmm. She was choking my neck in the memory. So I woke up the next day and my neck had been, had gone out in the middle of the night and I was in such excruciating pain for five days until I finally was like, all right, I got to go to a chiropractor, right? Cause that's where, that's my go-to. And I was like, dad, I need to go to your chiropractor. I just like desperately need to do this. And it was amazing. Cause I went to the chiropractor, but she's the type of chiropractor who I was like, all right, I had this memory 
And now I have this physical ailment as a result of this memory. And I can tell that I have emotional energy in my body that I cannot release. And it's stuck in my neck. And she's like, cool. She's just like, she totally got that. And she just, she went about for an hour and a half moving my body. And she doesn't, she's not the type of person who cracks bones. Like she's, she's the type of person who like will just press on. It's like almost like an, almost like an acupressure pressure Mm -hmm. type of thing. And by the end it was released. We were both sweating in this totally cold room by the end of this, because the amount of emotional energy that had been released from my body in that time period was just like, it was so intense. And, and then I just felt amazing. My body was so ready to release this experience that I really, it was, it was amazing. So that was my first experience with rejection and I'm still dealing with it. I still, it's coming back around on my clock, but getting rid of that seed memory for me was a huge part of processing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What about you, Anna? Me and rejection? Yeah. You and rejection. (sighs) Me and rejection. Here's the thing about me and rejection. I don't perceive being rejected by others so much. Yeah. And I don't fear the rejection of others so much. Everything you do is gold. (laughs) Everything I do is gold. However, I inflict a lot of rejection on others, which makes me think that on a subconscious level, I must have a deep rejection wound that I need to look at. But I, but I do like, I do reject people. If someone's not behaving to my standards, I reject them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can justify it in the like, well, no, I can't justify it. (laughs) The point is I don't experience a lot of rejection from others. I do inflict it. It's like I, I reject other people who don't agree with me. I reject other people who hurt me. I myself don't feel rejected often, but I definitely inflict that on other people. I don't play fugitive. I just straight up reject, you know? That is my my dagger of choice is I reject. And I and I think I use it in a way to control and protect myself. Mm-hmm. But more than anything protect myself. And I think ultimately if I was I ultimately feel that I reject myself the most. Like I am the victim of my own rejection rejection more than anyone. Like the way I see it is if you throw a pebble in a, a lake or a water, body of water, and it ripples, mm-hmm. depending on your state of awareness, you look at the furthest most ripple as causing your, your pain. Like, I'm going to reject this political leader and that political leader because he's hurting me. you know. And then you get closer in. I'm going to reject these community people, these people in my community because they could hurt me or I'm just going to reject them. And you get closer and closer, then it becomes extended family then family, then children, then spouse or partner. Like rejecting your partner close to you is like the next level. But the ultimate level, like where the stone dropped in the water is you. And I think as I've grown in the path of awareness, I recognize that all those outer ripples aren't really the source. It's like actually all me. And I reject myself. I reject myself a lot. I reject myself when... I yell at my children. I reject myself when I don't feel anything but love and kindness and gratitude for my husband, kids, and family. I reject myself when I, I, I suffer the most from my own self-rejection. I, I, I do that. And you know, it's funny because we talk a lot about 
um, mirror work and looking in the mirror and saying, I love you and saying, ho, pono, pono. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. When I say I love you to myself, I don't ever really feel it. I say it because I know I need to say it. And I hope one day I can, one day I can feel it. But it's like, I think all the work I've done with meditation and self-reflection has just brought me to that stone in the lake, like right to the source. And it's me. Like I hate myself and I reject myself a lot. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, and it's weird cause I'm awesome. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and we're all awesome. And on an intellectual level, I know we're all like here for a reason and the creator loves us and we are made in the image of the creator and, and like, I have just a right as right to be here as anyone else. But like in my low moments, I can just see that I, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, I'm a, I'm a self rejector and I reject others. So, <laughs> so I remember back in the fall when I was doing the same process you also did a lot of processing of that same thing. And obviously both of us are still in the middle of it. Neither of those claim to be out of it. But can you tell us about that? Like how you, where your healing started with, yeah. with rejection? Healing for me occurred. And when I say healing occurred, I would say the outer ripples, like focusing on the outer ripples healed for me. Like I don't do that really anymore. Like I don't really perceive rejection by others much at all because I was doing the Marissa Peer Uncompromised Life course and in it is a rejection proof meditation or hypnosis. It's also online for free and we'll link it in the show notes. But I did the rejection proof hypnosis in which I went into my childhood and I found three different memories where I felt rejected. And the thing is when I went into that hypnosis, I fell asleep and I didn't wake up till the end. So I don't even remember what I, what I dra- what, what occurred, but I believe that I was going into a deep meditative state. And I still believe that I got the healing from that. Cause from that moment on, I really felt rejection proof from other people. Like I had an experience when I say rejection proof, I mean, 99% rejection proof. Like I had someone in our community reject me over a misunderstanding and normally I would have been like obsessed with it and trying to make it right and obsessing about it. And I was like, all right, she doesn't like me and that's okay. I can still like me. So it really, really helped with those like outer ripples yeah. regarding like the stone, me, my self-rejection. I feel like I healed a lot of it and I still have a lot to go. When I was doing the feed your demon exercise, which we keep referring a lot to, which is where you summon the personification of whatever issue you're dealing with. So I summoned the demon of rejection. I was on a jog and I was like, I want to summon the demon of rejection. And I saw this demon of rejection come to me and I, he looked, I can't remember what he looked like, but he showed up and I'm like, and in the exercise, you know, you say to them, what do you want from me? And you just give them everything you want. Cause the idea being is if we consciously give that part of ourself, the attention and things that it's looking for, then we are, then we stop the cycle of pushing it away and avoiding it, which actually makes it stronger. Cause what you push against gets stronger. Newton's third law of motion, like whatever you push against pushes right back. So yep. if you accept it and feed it, it releases its strength on you. Yep. So I was like, what do you want from me? He's like, I want you to feel rejected feel it, like feel it, feel rejection in your, like feel rejected as 
strongly as you possibly can. And I was jogging and I was listening to the Pixie song, Where Is Your Mind on repeat. And every time the guitar strumming started, I started sprinting and getting in touch with that feeling of rejection till I was like, like in physical pain from the jogging and physical pain from the feeling of being rejected. And I just kept going and going and going. And I'm like, I'm going to give this demon all of me. I just kept going and going. I had like nothing left. I was like, there's no, I cannot feel any more rejected than I feel right now. I cannot feel any more chest pain from jogging than I am right now. Like, what more do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And it was like, I want you to see that you can't reject anything. You can't actually reject anything because we're all made of the same stuff and we're all part of the same. It's like, you know, one drop of water rejecting the ocean. Like, like, how can you reject what you're made of? How can you can't reject anything in this world and nothing can really reject you because we're all part of each other. We're all part of this thing. Rejection is an illusion. So he told me that and I was like, wow, <laughs> that, that does it. That's pretty beautiful. Do I still suffer from the rejection wound? Yeah, I do. But I, I feel like I see the stone more than the ripples now. And I, and I know that it comes from me and maybe it needs to be here. Maybe it's what tethers me to the human life. You know, Yeah. Buddha says, but they say that in the moments before Buddha's enlightenment, he said, I see you housemaker, builder of my house. Like I see who you really are. And the idea being that we die and are reborn over and over again because we're propelled forward by karma. And what is that karma? It's, it's, it's this desire to, to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it was, and so maybe you know, maybe this self-resistance, this self-hatred is the thing that tethers me to human life. So it's actually a good thing because if I didn't have it, do I even need to be here? (laughs) The resistance might be what's holding up my illusion. So I don't know. Yeah. And then in which time it'll go when it's ready or when you're ready. And then that's good. Right. You know, on a side note, I was reading this book called I Am That, which I've been wanting to read forever and just I've always had an excuse not to read it. And he said in the chapter I read today, let go of your attachment to the unreal and the real will smoothly and swiftly step in on its own. And I really like that. Like if I can just commit, I don't have to do much, right? I just have to commit to not wanting to see the bullshit anymore. And the real is just going to seep right in. I don't have to look for it. And the thing is, is that that's where the end of my healing came to. Cause I feel like you told me that story and I think I may have done a jog because that's a form of, and we've talked about this in the past, but that's a form of dynamic meditation, right? Is whether you go to a chiropractor and they do releases on you, whether you have a big run, it's, it's the idea that, that the emotion needs to be released in whatever way you can from your body, right? Um, that it's somewhat trapped in your aura and it needs an opportunity to, it doesn't leave like it doesn't leave. It just gets transformed into like a pure, like an energy that doesn't have a name attached to it or doesn't have yeah. any heaviness attached it to it. It comes unstuck. Yeah. And I think that for me, the end, you know, I, I explained how I went to the chiropractor and I obviously am still in self-sabotage occasionally and doing things like that. But my practice has definitely been an acceptance of where I am an acceptance of the same self-hatred that I feel. I feel a general hatred for being human almost all the <laughs> right. time. And, and then it comes to a specific self-hatred about the personality and all the little bits and pieces inside of me. And then I'm just like, all right, I accept that I feel that way about myself. I accept that I reject myself. 
my mantra is I love you a yeah. lot of the time. You, you always say that and I try it. I feel like it Well, I don't on. believe it. Oh, I don't. That's be- why it's my mantra. Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I've been trying it too since you talk about it. And I'm like, it's falling on deaf ears. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> knock, knock. Like it's I'm like- sorry. <laughs> forgive me. I love you. Thank you. It's easier for me because yeah. like. I believe the other three. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. So like the idea of, of recognizing, accepting where you are and then moving into the forgiveness, whether it is that you just choose to accept where you are, then you can maybe get down to the stone and you can recognize that it's all about self-rejection, but there's actually nothing you can do. It's like, it's like, it's instead of a stone in the middle of the lake, it's actually a huge drop of water in the yeah. middle of the lake, right? It's not actually different in its material yeah. in the sense that we think that we can reject any part of us, but you can't because it's this continuous thing of, of us and love and right everything. So yeah. Yeah. Like the trees don't reject themselves. The an- animals don't reject themselves and you know, yeah. So if you listen to this and this triggers something within you, treat yourself as a priority because that's what didn't happen when you were rejected, right? So treat yourself as a priority. Recognize that you are worthy of your place in this world, that you came to this world for a reason, and that you are here to work out your stuff. And just because you might have this rejection wound or just because you may be self-sabotaging and just because you may, and, and you may keep on doing that, you may keep on doing that, whatever. Is that like, I just want to be like, I love you. <laughs> I, I, I like the world, like, like the universe is just like pouring in this idea that you are worth the space that you take up and like you're just so beautiful (laughs) you're just like you're so amazing that you are worthy you are worthy of every breath that you take and every step that you take and every single part of you that is in every single (laughs) molecule of you that is in this world you are worthy and and i love you and there's nothing that anybody can do to reject you we hope that you enjoy that episode Please follow us on Instagram, this.spiritual.fix, where you can get the latest updates about episodes and also see some of our quippy comments and memes. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.